Hey guys, before jumping into this week's episode, I just wanted to reinstate that this was recorded prior to lockdown. So any references to Sandy and I traveling to Manchester happened in times when we could. Anyway, enough from me. Let's get on with today's show. Okay, okay. We've got five, Sandy, four, and your three, two, and one. Hey guys, welcome to the Red Room. My name's Sandy. And I'm Anya. This is our debut podcast. No idea what we're doing, but we're very excited to be doing it. We are currently sat at the Fuel Bar at Barry Central, which has been our home for the last seven years. And uh, it's the birthplace of Barry's London and Barry's UK. So the idea behind the whole the whole thing, right, Anya, is that we spend our lives teaching classes at Barry's. Obviously, we always say people come and start training at Barry's for one thing and then maybe stay for something completely different. And I guess over the course of this series, we're going to tap into that. Today, we've actually ventured out of Central in London. Ooh. And we've made up, yeah, quite exciting. We've ventured all the way up to Manchester to take class there and meet one of the city's icons, but also Sandy's icons. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Spurs fan, but um, Ryan Giggs is a legend in his own right. He's one of the class of 92 Manchester United superstar. Now he manages Wales. And you know what? He also comes and does Barry's. So we roped him into this and got to chat to him about all sorts of things from training to what it's like from going from being a professional athlete to life beyond and how Barry's has helped that I've challenged him to another game of five aside everything it's all good loved it and yeah. he's just looking at me like um, Sandy could like wax lyrical about Ryan Giggs he was so uh, starstruck but honestly I'm not a huge football fan but this is a really fascinating episode so let's do it let's, uh, let's get involved let's roll the tape So, we are here with Ryan Giggs, who, I'm going to list it off, you've got, you've done over a thousand United appearances, but were that 963 of them were senior appearances, correct? Uh, 963 with United, the rest is with Wales, Ah. 64 with Wales. Four FA Cups, four League Cups, BBC Sports Person of the Year, OBE, scored 168 goals, you've got two Champions Leagues, you're the most decorated player in English history, and I think probably your finest achievement is... You father beat, of two. You're the father of two, but the finest achievement is you beat the Barry's five-a-side team by one goal. In a, did, it was two goals. No, it was by one, and it was, that was debatable. Can, yeah, it was can, debatable. Can we uh, clarify this? How were they? No, they were wear and beaten on the roof, so it was probably the closest match we've had. James thinks that they might have won. That, is that true? I don't no. think they have, but it was close. <laughs> so actually, we did, we did all right. Yeah, very good. Nice. No, we took it seriously. All right. Especially because we are unbeaten, and a couple of times we have come close. To get beat. I have a newfound respect for Sandy and my husband now. No, it was tough. So, this is a fitness podcast, I suppose, although we talk a lot of crap and all sorts of weird stuff, but I guess as a fitness thing, we should probably start with fitness. Your career was lasted, what, you retired at 40? 40, yeah. 40, and you were started at 17, you made your debut for United at 17. Yeah. So this is a long career, basically running up and down the wing, like non-stop for 90 minutes. Yeah. To put that in perspective, for those who do barriers, it's like interval training for three whole barriers classes because you do like 25 minutes on the treadmill, 30 minutes on the treadmill per class. I mean, how did you stay fit during all that time? And Because that, that's a lot of wear and tear on, I imagine hamstrings are pretty tight. Yeah, well, first of all, I was lucky. I never had any major injuries. So that can also especially towards the end of your career, that can hurt you. Um, you know, if you have a bad knee or a bad ankle, sooner or later it'll catch up with you. I never had that. I had pretty good 
limbs and ligaments. I had the odd hamstring, like you just mentioned, injury. But apart from that, I was I was always injury free. And at the beginning, 17, 18, you know, you can run all day. Towards the end, and especially me, from 30, late 20s, 30 onwards, I did everything to to sort of uh, prolong my career. Um, I went to see an osteopath, I changed my diet, I started yoga, late 20s, acupuncture. So all them things probably contributed to, to me playing until I was 40. Plus, like I said, I didn't have any major injuries. Have you seen a change in how fit and footballers approach fitness to keep their fitness levels over the course of your career? Because obviously you started as a child. Yeah, I mean, it's all about knowledge and education, really. So, yeah, basically, 17, 18, turning up to train for Man United... I would be there 10, 15 minutes before training starts. And then that was what everyone did, really. Uh, sort of a gentle jog around the pitch and then straight <laughs> yeah, in. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we had a small training ground, a couple of changing rooms, one pitch. And you basically, I lived 10 minutes away. We started at 10.30. I would roll out of bed, 9 o'clock, 9.30. Get in my car or the bus at, at the beginning and then get there quarter, quarter past 10 and train. Fast forward 10, 15 years bigger training ground, better facilities, swimming pool, gym, everything, I would be getting there around 8 o'clock. So I would have breakfast, take my time, then go into the gym and have a massage maybe, and then stay till 2, 2.30 in the ice bath, having stretches. So, yeah, it definitely evolved the professionalism part towards the end of my career. Were you kind of left to do it yourself, to take responsibility for it? Well, first of all, I, the only injury, I said I don't have major injuries. I used to have problems with my hamstrings because I was pretty quick and, like you say, running up and down the wing. Um, so it was me and together with the physio team and the doctors that I started looking at things that could help me. So, i.e. osteopath, acupuncture, yoga was a big part of it, massages, ice baths. So that was the main reason, really. But I was always one who wanted that extra couple of percent that could ha- you know, give me the edge on my teammates in training, but ultimately, you know, the opponents that I played at the weekend. So I had help, but yeah, really it's up to you. You can be as professional as you want or, you know, you can... Is that your approach? Obviously you manage a team now. So is that your approach with the people you're managing? Like, do you encourage them to look after themselves? Do you leave it very much up to themselves to make those decisions? No, my sort of way of thinking is not giving the players any excuses whatsoever to not not to perform so I have to provide them with everything that they would expect and they need so if they don't play well then I can you know I can go at them because they won't have an excuse so that's my sort of the way that I want to work not because players will I did you know player the the pitch was too hard the ball was soft you know the wind was it was a bit heavy you know the it was raining you know footballers look for every excuse why they didn't perform to the ultimate so I try and take that away from them as a manager, as a coach, giving them no excuses not to perform. Is that from just your own experiences? I mean, I, I just from, from reading up for this, a, a lot of major players have cited you as like an, an example to them, a role model for like professionalism. And even, you know, obviously everyone knows Cristiano Ronaldo saying that his time at United with looking up to the likes of you and Scalzi to do how you approach the game kind of have conditioned him and how he's gone on. Obviously, he's had an amazing career himself. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, as an older player, as a more experienced player, the, the younger players do look up to the habits that potentially the players who've banged out 500 games or 
are still playing at a high level. Um, what do they do to do that? So, yeah, I did it. You know, I mean, I first went into yoga. I didn't know anything about yoga, nothing. You know, I thought it was someone humming in a <laughs> in a room full of candles. No, that's honestly. And then I walked into the gym at United. I seen Roy Keane with um, a yoga teacher. I watched them for a bit. I did my work in the gym. Then afterwards, after... Uh, Louise, she was called, she finished. I went over and said, listen, I'm having a few problems with my hamstrings. Would this help me? She went, 100%. This, this is what you need. Yeah. Like I said, I just thought it was just nice and easy, breathing, humming. Five minutes into it, I'm sweating, pouring with sweat, and I'm saying, I'm never, ever doing this ever again because yeah. it was that hard. <laughs> um, she put me in positions and just moving me a little bit, yeah. and it's like... I, uh, <laughs> no, run all day, no problem. That's Batch. how I feel about yoga, just so you no, know. No, it like, is. It terrifies me, and then I'm far too competitive with myself. But it is. It was, um, it was something that I'd never experienced. And then after that, I did it solidly for 11, 12 years. And the amount of players that seen me do it and then would come into class, some would last not too long, some would um, do it for the rest of their careers. So, um, yeah, you, you do. You know, you look around and you, like I say, try and find that couple of percent it'll give you the your upper hand against your opponent yeah well if you can have a the longevity of your career then surely a good stretch is probably a good recipe for every footballer new and up-and-coming footballer yeah I, I mean I always I never really forced players into it but if I ever seen a player a teammate who's getting muscle injuries or I, I would so advise you, them to do it you speak about your perception of uh, yoga what was your perception of barriers before you tried it it was hard. That it was full on. Yeah, it just looked mad. Yeah, if that was my feeling. I never really had any other sort of. And is it what you perceived it to be, or is it different, or what has made you a Barry's fan? Well, I never ever went on a treadmill while I was playing. Hated them. Hated treadmills back then. Um, so then it wasn't until I finished playing and I was in a coaching role. I used to get into training early before the coaching and run on the treadmill. And I started enjoying it. So when I come to the class, I knew that it has a big effect on me running on a treadmill because it, it's good for me. It loses a lot of fat for me. I can still run quite quick. Um, so it was perfect for me, really. And obviously, the, the floor and back on the treadmill, the floor, I liked that. It was, it was how I used to play, you know, interval running. Um, I'm not a plodder. You know, I'm not a 10, I've only done 10K once. I'm not a marathon runner. <laughs> I'm, I'm not that sort of person, but give me, you know, a couple of sprints and a rest, a couple of sprints again, a rest. That's that's right up my street. So it's kind of filled the void of football in a sense. Like yeah, it has. for 30 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it, it has. And just the f exercise, the feeling you have afterwards is brilliant. And then, you know, as you, you come more often, you get to know the trainers, you get to know the people who may be in the same time class as you. So um, it's a real community feel I feel and I've introduced a lot of my friends as well I've I loved it as a as a professional sportsman Anya used to be in a band like where your life is kind of like quite imagine quite regimented and everyone tells you what to do when to do it how to do it um well, it sounds like especially towards the end of your career where you have you know the different coaching staff and different fitness coach and physio and all this stuff I imagine you know you're told what time to get to the coach and what time yeah. to be everywhere I imagine the day after that when you're suddenly out in the real world you're like that regimentation's kind of gone. Well, you've, you've seen it. For, yeah, well, I certainly a, for me, when I was in a band, every day was planned. I mean, yeah. It's only two years of my life, not 20 years of my life. And for you, it's been, majority of your life has been 
having every day planned and being told what to do. I remember waking up and suddenly there was no tour manager picking the phone up and saying I had to be somewhere. And I didn't really know how to function outside of that control. Was it like that for you or was it? 100%, yeah. yeah. Institutionalised, it's, you know, you get an itinerary, you get times when you eat, times when you train. And especially when I was still playing, I used to drive the kids mad because come holiday time, right, I had the day set out for them. <laughs> right, we'll have breakfast at that time. Then we'll go to the beach, then we'll have a walk to the pool, then we do... And Dad, no, we're on holiday. I said, yeah, but you need to plan the day. Yeah. That's what I was like. That's what I was used to. And actually, I have never... Sorry, I, it's all a lie. I've seen a sports psychologist once, and that was because I used to keep getting hamstring injuries. I, I missed the psychologist out. Because I used to uh, get hamstring injuries, so I tried everything. The only other time I've seen a sports psychologist is when I finished coaching at United. So I'd played from 17 to 40. I coached from 40 to 42. And then all of a sudden, I'm not going to Man United every day. But it's what I've done since I left school. So I seen a sports psychologist just to help me. Now I've not got an itinerary. Now I've not... Mm. It's your identity. It's what you relate to. It's a very hard thing, I imagine. It's like... yeah divorce or bereavement it's saying you know what I am no longer this I am no something else certainly if you I would say again seven years of my life as a barriers instructor but the idea that this wouldn't be affiliated with my day-to-day existence really fills me with a sense of fear and yeah. and loss I'm sure you feel the same so it's amazing how your profession can be so intertwined with a sense of being are you still do you still have routines do you still do that or are you trying to break away from that entirely I've, yeah, I've slowly probably broke away with it. It has to be a lot more flexible because I've I've not got a, a job for every day. My job is, it could be different times. So, um, yeah, I've sort of come away from that, but still um, exercise, going watching the kids play. I have to still sort of fill my day. Otherwise, you're, you're lost. Yeah. And that's... You know, one of the things he said was, uh, you're going to still work out. And I says, yeah. He says, right, okay, just something to think about. Think of a gym not on your doorstep, but maybe half an hour away. Join a gym half an hour. You go there, it takes you half an hour. You work out for an hour, an hour and a half. You have a bite to eat. Before you know it, it's lunchtime. That's a big chunk of the day. So they were, that was one sort of idea that he, he gave me. Um, but it was more just about, yeah, just not sat at home twiddling your th- your thumbs and my life is completely different now where it was very structured now it's not structured but you know you still obviously got to try and fill the days and yeah do something a lot of the conversations we've been having and these start off about the physical stuff and then meander into the mental side of things just because it's such a big part of people's lives fitness as a psychological thing rather than it just being about getting fitter or getting bigger arms or bigger chest or whatever you obviously your whole life has been from you know the the crazy highs and lows of losing matches and winning and losing and now as a manager it's the same again but in a different way because you're not actually doing it yourself but you're watching it and you're much worse now well you have no control right yeah Yeah. sense of control because we were talking about this like you know you've gone from being in control of what happens physically you, you know you are a big part of what happens and then you're saying obviously you're a massive part with your team yeah trust you're trusting them yeah no it is it's it's much worse um 
the, I mean, I was a bad loser anyway, but now as a manager, when you lose, it's, it's, yeah, it stays with you for days, weeks. It's horrible. So, yeah, that is when, again, going back to when I was a footballer, preparation is, you know, is huge. You know, if you're prepared and you can lose football games, you know, for some whatever reason, it happens and you have to get used to it. But that's where preparation is, is key for me, you know, preparing the team as best I can, uh, the staff, making sure that you give yourself every chance to win. So if they lose, do you, do you feel like it's your fault in a sense? I mean, I, tra- I train um, all our trainers at Barry's and this is such, it all feels so, so small scale compared to what you're doing, but I get so invested in them. Yeah. So when they're, you know, their successes feel like my successes, their losses feel like mine. So if I have to say that someone hasn't made it as a trainer at Barry's and they've invested time and energy, um, for me, I, I go away and I feel like I've failed rather than it's their failure. I feel like it's mine. Is that how it feels for you or is it? Is it... No, I mean, it is. You, you look at yourself. You look at what you could have done differently. You know, if your team doesn't perform, if you, you can play well and lose. Mm. So that's a different thing, you know. I was the same as a player as well. You know, if you don't play well, you look at, OK, what are the reasons why I'm not playing well? And it's the same as a manager. Obviously, you're in charge of a lot more. There's a lot more moving parts. There's a lot of things that are out of your hands sometimes. You know, a player gets an injury. Yeah, a bad decision goes your way. So all these things can happen. But ultimately, if you do lose or don't perform well, it's something that perhaps I've not done. I've not done right. And, uh, I think it's interesting because obviously everyone can relate that in their day to day. I'm sure there's a lot of managers of businesses sitting here listening, going, oh, managing people. It is, yeah. we, we were talking about getting grey hair and certainly having children. And I think managing people has yeah, big time. <laughs> accelerated that process. Yeah, I mean, I signed a four year contract, so it was a long term vision, but also, like you say, football you have to win otherwise people want you sacked people want you out the door people want to see someone else come in so which is which is crazy to think about like again effectively a manager of a football team you're effectively a businessman you're managing the same way that other people do it but you've got like the entire in your case entire country having an opinion i mean basically everything you do someone's gonna have an opinion and no matter what the opinion is someone else will have the exact opposite opinion for me, waking up day in, day out, if I had to make decisions for Barry's and have everybody, everybody does, everyone probably does have an opinion, but A, it's a small group of people, and B, they don't tell me about it, and they don't write about it and talk about it. And yeah. I find it stressful enough. Yeah, I think, like I say, you can only control what you can control. You know, the, the media especially can be tough, and now social media. So when I qualified for the Euros, you know, Something that I heard a lot was, it must be great to silence the doubters. And I'm just like, whoa, what doubters? I haven't read social media, I don't read newspapers. Very rarely do I watch, like, you know, the sports news. Um, All I'm interested in is my players, my staff, and what we're doing. So I try and block it out, which I did as a player, which can help you. And I suppose you have to be a different person, you have to be a little bit tougher. Um, It's not easy. It's not easy because there's a lot of pressure. And you, I put myself under pressure. So that's another reason why I block out the outside noise because you put yourself under enough pressure, you set yourself standards. So you know in yourself if you drop below them standards. Or like I said before, you know, if you do something 
wrong or make the wrong decision, you you know. So, and also I'm pretty young as a coach, you know, I'm two years into the job. So still learning, still making mistakes, but I like to think that I learn from the mistakes that, that I've made. And that's all you can do, really. Um, people are going to make mistakes, human. Do you find, like, when you, you make a decision, you have to kind of, like, there's a lot of people, you know, it means a lot to people. Again, you can pick a team or make a decision, a sub. People actually care. Like, that, it's their life. Like, they genuinely get emotional about it and care about what happens. And do you find that you have, like, your thoughts, like, wearing through your... Through, I mean, just from my own experience, I used to be a sports journalist. I used to write about football. And I'd, like, write an, an article and drive home. And I'd be like, I'm like, I'd run through every word that I just written because I was like, people were about to read that. And yeah. did I get the score wrong? And I, I'd, create, I'd start inventing the craziest stories, like oh my God, I got the score wrong, or I did that wrong, or whatever. <laughs> and it just creates something in my mind that didn't happen. Yeah. Do you get that where you just, it just starts running through your head and like yeah, you have to shut it out? The fear, yeah. You get the, the fear that you know, you've not made the right decision or you've done something, you've not prepared the team. Correct. You, you have doubts. And especially, probably the closer to the articles coming out, or it is out, then yeah, it's the same. closer you get to the game, you're still doubting yourself. But yeah. You've got to stick with what you believe is right. And that's definitely the case for me. Closer to the game, you start all these different permutations, you know, should I have done this, should I have done that? And that's definitely the case. Do you so, enjoy the games? Because a lot of managers say that they, this the, the least favourite part of their job is actually the, the game itself. Because you just, like, it's out of control. Yeah, I probably don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. <laughs> do you do something ahead of the game yourself? Like... I don't know, when I'm doing something I don't want to do, I always treat myself ahead of it and on the other side of it. I just wondered if there was something you did. Mm, no, there's not really. I mean, I'm fully sort of focused on the game. and there's. <laughs> <laughs> I try a little bit of escapism, maybe watch something on iTunes or, you know, Netflix or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but an hour I'll take out or maybe a couple of hours, you know, just not thinking about the game, the preparation, um, just to give myself a rest but yeah ultimately you, you're just thinking about the game and the result and preparing the players and yeah on a, just on a health point of view like a lot of managers have heart problems because it's yeah it's fucking stressful right yeah. and just as a fan watching watching a game is stressful enough and then you're there having to make is that something you've ever thought about sorry for no i can actually feel myself getting older in that 90 minutes yeah. I can feel it I can feel like my face getting uh, sort of drawn and it's mad but then when you win yeah. it's like you can't explain it you, you'll never beat playing you never beat playing never beat scoring a goal you know when people ask you what does it feel like when you score a goal you can't explain it it's amazing but managing coach is the next best thing and when you win it is amazing and you you yeah, you just want that feeling again. Is it because I saw that you'd said that um, qualifying for the Euros is one of the best experiences yeah. of your life? Yeah. How different is it from, say, scoring the goal that would get you there to to doing it as a man? Is it, is it a different feeling or is it the same? But just probably if you score the winning goal, you score the winning goal, and then you've got another game to play. You know, they'll go, you know, play or go back to the clubs, and then it's more or less forgotten. With a manager, you know, you're not. I've not got another game till March, so it probably, just like if you lose, it lasts longer. When you win, you don't take anything for granted. But 
you know, I can relax. The last game that we won, it, it wasn't euphoria. It wasn't just ecstasy. It was actually relief, um, my first feeling. Right. And then afterwards, you can enjoy it. You know, people kept saying to me afterwards, has it sunk in yet? It hadn't, hadn't sunk in, but slowly it sinks in, you know, what you've achieved. So you can... Yeah. That just reminds me of when we opened Barry's, to be perfectly honest. Like everyone's like, are you really excited? I'm like, no, I'm just happy <laughs> it's open and yeah. it's working and that, you know, the lights are on, there's power. And there's, there's no people. Ma- there's, pe- there's people coming in. But yeah, first... Yeah, because you've invested so much time yeah. and yeah. put yourself under pressure. Yeah. What about the other side of that? If you don't win... Have you? You must have learnt so many skills to overcome that feeling, as well as the complete yeah. for it. Missing a penalty, for example. Yeah. Um, did you ever miss a pen? Sorry, fun. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. I missed. Uh, yeah, I missed a couple. Yeah, in shootouts. Only um, a couple in a whole <laughs> career. How many? Years? No, I missed a couple. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, um, I think the, the the feeling of say missing a penalty again. You've got, you've always got the next game as right. a player. You've always got the next game as a manager. It probably stays with you a little bit longer, you know, that disappointment, especially when you're managing a national team because there's big gaps in between the games. So last year we lost in November, the last game, and we didn't have a game till March. So you're stewing on that yeah. result for months. Being made. an international manager as well, I mean, you get a two-year two cycle, right? You've you yeah. got the, the tournament yeah, and then you've got to wait for the next two years or whatever to, to have yeah. another crack at it yeah and that's you know I knew that beforehand I knew the gaps in between games uh, so I was sort of prepared for it anyway you know it is what it is you're not going to change it yeah. um, so that's even more important that you make sure that you fill your days you know you, you, you see as many players as you can you try and become a better coach um, keep yourself fit uh, that's one way for me um, because I feel more en- you know, energised. Yeah. What's so, your daily routine now? Do you, do you have a, it's really diverse. You were saying before we started about you've just been doing a, a, a fasting, 17-hour fast, is that right? Yeah, I do that on camp. So it's much easier when you're on camp, you know, because we've got the chefs in and, you know, we've got really good food. So, yeah, what I do, we have lunch at 1. Um, obviously good food. We have snacks at 4.30. Talk about the itinerary. Um, <laughs> and then we eat again at 7. So... Um, I'll probably have th- all the three meals. We finish at half seven, quarter to eight, and then I won't eat until the next day, one o'clock. So, yeah, I'll just have a black coffee in the morning, green tea. And um, How long does it take you to get into that pattern of doing it? Because that pr- scares me, the idea of not having anything <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, pretty easy, actually. I mean, the first couple of days I found hard. I and mean, then again, it was looking at someone else, one of, uh, one of the physios had been doing it. Oh, I never really knew anything about fasting. So then I looked up on it and the different ones you can do, you know, do five, not eat for two days and eat normally for five days. There's different ones you can do. And it really does, um, it's whatever your lifestyle is. So if you enjoy breakfast, you can have breakfast, eat at eight and then finish eating at four o'clock, 4 p.m. You know, have your tea, as you say, up north, dinner down <laughs> south, <laughs> have your tea at four and then don't eat until eight o'clock. So it's, it's really flexible, whatever is dependent for your lifestyle. So Have you felt, what are the benefits that you felt from Felt that? more energy, slept well, lost loads of weight. And I really do exercise so I can eat what I want. <laughs> I know. think we're in the same boat there, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. No, I do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do. I'm not really one who is like, you exercise, you got to eat this, you got to eat that. You know what? It's, do you think that being still being part of the game has made the fact that keeping fit 
staying active a lot easier for you or would you have done it anyway regardless of what you were doing? Because no, a lot of footballers just, they, they stop and then like a, a year later you're like, wow, what? No, no, players do, they do what they want. Right, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. And something that I'm seeing a lot of players going vegan. Um, so that's something You've seen game changers. That's the reason why a lot of the players are <laughs> doing it. So, yeah. One scene in particular, wow. I bet. Have you seen it? I haven't have seen, it. seen it. No. There's a scene in it where they basically they measure overnight. Um, there's three guys, their uh, frequency and length of erection whilst they're sleeping. Really? And yeah, the vegan ones that have <laughs> longer, harder, uh, everything. And uh, everyone I've spoken to, they're oh like, oh, God. game change, it's brilliant. I'm like, yeah, which scene? And they're like, well, I, <laughs> I'm going vegan listen, tomorrow. I've been vegetarian since I was nine. Um, so I feel like I just, I can't go there because it yeah. will... I did it. it. I did it I for eight or nine days. I thought you were say eight or nine years. Oh, eight eight nine nine days, days. Yeah, I went, oh, I went crazy. <laughs> eight or nine days. Just dipping your toe yeah. in the water. <laughs> yeah, and it was all right. It was okay. Yeah, there's a just lot of carbs though. There's so a lot many of beans. Carbs. Sorry, beans. beans it's just I. Yeah. So James, my husband, decided to go vegan. He's the biggest carnivore. So every meal had to have meat, and then he decided he was going to have this vegan exploration. And it's the first time in 13 years together that we went to. <laughs> a vegetarian or vegan restaurant in 13 years we've never been really and suddenly I'd be, I went every day for <laughs> a week killed me beans just beans 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 yeah. Bush took a trial yeah, yeah. 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 jungle isn't it <laughs> so who's the fittest out of you and the other boys from you, you obviously hang out a lot with Phil and Gary in, in, in doing these classes who's would you back yourself yeah because there's a lot of chat we're on, a, we're on a whatsapp group and there's a lot of chat that, um, <laughs> that you're you're the strongest uh, self-proclaimed yeah probably am yeah if you got us on the treadmill <laughs> yeah I'd be the quickest well, just, Phil's we good, did do, Phil's we did an amazing yeah. event at um, Hotel Football yeah. Talk about that, it, yeah, yeah it was absolutely incredible and it was um, all the treadmills looking out over the stadium I mean it was just beautiful with the sun going down yeah but just to put this into context you did do two classes back to back which was two full hours of exercise yeah, two full hours and you were, you were going for it as well you weren't holding back yeah and Phil, Phil um, walked out. Phil bailed out after halfway yeah. through. Yeah. So. yeah. As a competitive, as a competitive, <laughs> I bet you were happy about that. Yeah. It must Where's be he good. Going? Must Where's be he good. going? I could never walk for How can you walk out halfway through? You know, it's a charity as well. I know. Maybe we should call him out for that. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think we just have, haven't we? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Um, no, nah, but we're all still pretty fit. Still pretty so fit. So have you ever been on a treadmill and someone's managed to beat you? Yeah. Which doesn't go down well with. It's a lad called Mike, who I knew before Barry's. And yeah, he's running flipping the last bit, 15 incline, 12 and a half. Yeah. You know, yeah. that, that last blast. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? <laughs> so yeah, I have been next to him. But actually, that last time we were, I think he'd been in, he said he'd been injured, but I beat him last time. Do you warm up slow? Because um, David, who obviously has been to Barry's a few times, people always comment about the fact he starts off beginners. And I, I've always said, I love that. Start slow, warm up, take your time. Because mm. you have people come in who just want to go all out from minute yeah. one. And I was thinking if you've been in sport for your life, you kind of obviously know how to warm up and go slow to start with. So if anyone who's wondering how to approach the treadmill in our classes, do you yeah. start slow, build into it? No, I usually <laughs> go straight into it. But if I'm not feeling great, I'll just go on the low one. Yeah. And I have felt my hamstring a few times going the top one, like going quick. Yeah. So now... Um, I actually prefer the incline runs, which everyone hates, rather than the you know the quicker ones, because the quicker ones I have to go twelve. If someone's next to me on twelve and a half, I can't go eleven. Yeah, I have to go twelve and a half. 
it's ridiculous, but I have to. I think we so, all have that in us, yeah. don't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. but if it's like the incline, I'm, I'm, which I would never have thought, you know, the 12 and a half quick ones, that would have been my game. But now inclines, I, I prefer the inclines because you're not really sprinting. I'm desperate to have you in my class now, especially if you like yeah, the running bit. Yeah, mm. Anya's notorious. She's the she's the runner. Oh yeah, yeah. Queen of the treads. Queen of the treads. Yeah. I did a girl the other day actually. Who Sandy went off to Miami and we had a Miami replacement who she was rivaling me on the treadmills. I felt really? like I was doing my own class. It was pretty intense. Yeah. So jog no. seven. Yeah. I've jog. had to modify actually. So now I've like gone a bit tamer on the easier speeds. But so I seven, still seven eight nine jog. Go. No, no. Yeah, the that's... difference between me, so I have <laughs> eyes everywhere. So Sandy's quite like laid back and chill. Yeah. Whereas I remember everyone's speeds, right. and I know that that was not your best. And actually, this is your last thirty seconds. And why would you not want to finish at your best speed? Looking for the last seen a face or scrum, getting angry. No, I'm, yeah, no, well, I'm well, getting well, passionate. <laughs> why yeah, wouldn't you want to finish? Then, well, yeah. talking about being scared because we were talking about it just coming in the studio yeah. to do the to do this recording. You're like, oh, I can feel the the palms yeah. are getting sweaty. Do you genuinely get a bit nervous before class? Usually I'm in the morning ones, so you're still asleep, half asleep. Yeah. So, but yeah, when you, the afternoon ones or the evening ones, yeah, yeah, then you're awake and you think, what am I doing? Yeah. What am I doing? That's quite extraordinary quite that someone who, you know, has the most nerve-wracking experience playing in front of everyone. What's like the biggest crowd you've played in front of? 100,000? Like, 90,000? Playing in front of 115,000 people but coming into <laughs> Barry's class. That's televised when yeah. you come to Barry's class and get yeah. nervous. <laughs> was, there, was there a moment just in terms of your fitness when when you were playing and you were just like, I can't, I can't do it? Was there a specific moment when someone like may have gone past you and you couldn't catch up or whatever? You're just like, oh, you know what? I'm not at that level anymore. Um, not really, no. Um, the good thing about me was that I always managed to train. So when, you know, players have had injuries or they're getting towards the end, they'll just play games or play the train the day before the game. But I always trained. Right. So I was always okay. And if you knew that you were against someone quicker, especially towards the end, you would just use your brain and just, you know, go over side the pitch or yeah. just give yourself enough time to, to get there. And that's where the experience, because when you're more experienced, that gives you that extra couple of yards. Yeah. You're already thinking before your opponents um but there was a yeah probably because i was quick i was quick 17 to 26 27 were you one of the fastest in the in the team one of them yeah because i read an article with your debut and uh the guy the journalist writing about it was saying um not as fast as lee sharp but with more control yeah sharpie was quick so like in a sprint there was other players quicker than me um definitely but yeah with the ball i was always probably quicker than everyone else but you had speed endurance because you could do it again and again and again right you could go for your sprint and then recover fast yeah so I always wanted to tire out my opponent so I would always test him and if he wanted to keep running me I would keep can I ask a question who is your ultimate opponent as they kind of traveled with you through your career or no I played against uh, this Argentinian player called Javier Zanetti who was similar to me really played until he was 40 41 really fit and he was that kind of I'm an attacker, he's a defender, but actually sometimes it was the other way around because he'd like to bomb forward and he was intelligent, South American, tough, good on the ball. Usually I would find a weakness in one of my opponents. If he was quick, usually didn't have a brain. If <laughs> they weren't as quick and they were clever, then obviously I was quicker than them. So, But he had everything. Yeah, he had everything. So he was he was difficult. Do you go into a play would you go into a match being like this is a one on one duel? Like yeah. this is my guy I'm up against and yeah. just 
get one up on him. Yeah. It was like a mini. Yeah, I mean, you usually know the player you're playing against, especially in Premier League. In Europe, not so much, but you would you would watch a little bit of footage of him. Could you see any weaknesses in him? And pretty on, early on in the game, you would try things that, you know, is he going to run in behind all day? You know, is he going to follow me or... Am I going to take him into places where he's not going to go? You know, more in, in the field. What's he going to do? Is he going to stay in his position or is he going to follow me? So, yeah, all them things you try and work out in a short space of time. Wow. But at the beginning of the show, we were like, show. I'm like such a showbiz guy now. <laughs> show. Um, no, at the top, we were like listing off all your achievements and they have been many. What is there now still to do? Do you have a dream, aspiration? Um, what would you love to get done in the game? Yeah, I mean, getting Wales to a major championship was was high up there, which I've now managed to do. But the next one is the World Cup. You know, Wales haven't been at a World Cup since 1958. So that's the next achievement that I want. I want to get Wales to to a World Cup because it's been far too long, 1958. So, yeah, that's and, the next one. And the Euros, I mean, what was it? Semis last, last time? Semis, yeah. right? Semis. So, so, yeah, I'm yeah. up against yeah. it to try and beat that. Yeah. But... Like I've always said, you know, we've got some really good players. If we've got all the players available, we're matched for anyone. And in anything, you need that little bit of luck as well. So, yeah, fingers crossed. So on that note, and facing fears, opponents, all sorts of fun, we're going to give you a little challenge. Okay. Everyone who's done this podcast has been made to do a quick fire round. So we are going to make you do... What are we going to make Walking you do? Walking planks, I think. Walking planks. And fire some questions at you. And your challenge is to answer them as quickly as possible. Okay, I'll have a go. Good luck. Good Thank luck. You. Thank you. And three, two, one. Funniest Barry's moment. Um, watching my friend fall off the treadmill. What gets you through a final sprint? The person next to me beating them. Who's your Barry's crush? Oh, <laughs> Mark. <laughs> uh, who's your favourite instructor? Oh, no. No pressure. Mark. <laughs> Barry's pet peeve? No, Amelia's my favourite. Oh. Uh, Barry's... Pet peeve. People who don't take the weights back. Uh, Favourite day of the week? Monday. Guilty pleasure? Chocolate brownie. What's your worst habit in life in general? Um, I'm a neat freak. Secret trick? Secret trick? (laughs) Beating the person next to me on the treadmill. Uh, A fact that no one knows about you? I've got OCD. Brilliant. Thank you. Recover. That was quick. That was, that was, that was, that was a minute. Was, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank you. Enjoyed it. More than class. In fact, in fact <laughs> actually, before we go you, now on air, will you take us on one more time? Give us a chance to uh, turn you over the five size. <laughs> yeah, no problem. That's on the record. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening. You are now part of the Barry's family. Congratulations. Congrats, welcome. And if you enjoyed it, please rate and review us and subscribe and keep listening. If you guys have any questions, you can reach us at Barry's UK and hashtag the Red Room Podcast. So join us next week for another episode of the Red Room. <laughs> <laughs>